while you're standing, why don't we uh, commit our time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being with your people who are called by your name. Thank you for the privilege of having the word of God and that we can come and delve into it and learn truth that will set us free. Father, thank you for Jesus, our ever-present help in time of need, our wonderful saviour, the advocate with the Father, the one who is ever living to make intercession for us. We thank you for Jesus. Well, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the amazing gift given to each and every one of us that we can grow, that we can be sanctified, that we can become more like Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in the earth for you. We thank you for calling us sons and daughters of God. Well, we thank you for all your goodness and we pray that today, you would touch our hearts. You would impact our lives. Jesus, I'm asking you would get a hold of us to such a point that everybody who knows us would say, you are not the same. You've changed. There's something different about you because we have allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to shape our lives to become more like Jesus. Lord, I pray that today would not be going through the motions, but we would enter into the living word of God and that, Lord, our lives will become a reflection of your goodness in the earth in Jesus name amen. amen you may be seated all right who brought their Bibles this morning that's awesome would you open your Bibles please to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 I want to talk today about the dwelling place of God the dwelling place of God. You know, uh, one of my first missions trips was to India. And in India, you can't drive more than a block or two without seeing a little shrine on the side of the road or big temples. They're everywhere. It is a culture of idolatry. Every market you go to, there's incense stalls and you walk past and you go, <coughs> it's foul stuff. I don't know why they think that any God would like the smell of that, but, um, but they do. And they think that their gods dwell inside of these temples. And they think if they go there and they give some rupees, that the God inside of that temple will give them something that they need. I want us to think and ponder and meditate and dwell upon the fact, where does our God dwell? It's sort of hard to say God's address as far as where he lives because, well, it says he feels all in all. So, uh... It's a little hard to fit that into one spot. But God chooses to dwell in certain places. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to kick it off in verse 19. It says this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being knitted and fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. When I begin to think about the fact that my body can be a dwelling place of God, it changes the way I see everything. If God, and it's not really an if because he is dwelling in me, but because God is dwelling in me, that should mean that my life is no longer an ordinary life. Because God is dwelling in me, my life is an extraordinary life because it is filled with God Almighty. God dwelling in me. We are being knit and built together as a temple of God, as a dwelling place of God. In Luke chapter 17, if you want to go there quickly, um, the Pharisees asked Jesus an interesting question. I find it actually extremely interesting that this came from the Pharisees. We're not told where these Pharisees were from or what sect they were of, but they asked Jesus a fascinating question. So Luke 17, and I'm going to read verse 20 to 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. Now wait. Let me unpack the question first. Because I wonder if some of us have asked something similar. Have you ever asked the Lord when? When is this going to happen and when is that going to happen? When is the prayer I've been praying going to be answered? When is my family going to come to know Jesus? When is that bill going to be paid? When, when, when? The Pharisees have a burning question. When is the kingdom of God going to come? We've heard about it, not just all of our lives, but our parents and their parents and their parents. Everybody's been talking about it since Abraham when you made some promises. We want to know when is the kingdom of God going to come? He answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation." How many of you watched the coronation of King Charles? Did anybody watch that? Or did you see little snippets of it? It was pretty um, grandiose, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like, wow, imagine having a big heavy crown on your head, that big heavy robe. <laughs> but do you know what? Millions of people observed the coming of the king. They watched him be coronated. They watched him 
in all his glorious splendor they could observe because it's a kingdom here that can be seen but Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come with observation nor will they say see here or see there for indeed the kingdom of God is within you sometimes I wish the Bible had a little bit more description because it goes on then to what he says to his disciples so he turns from talking to the Pharisees to his disciples but it doesn't tell me the look on their faces I want to know did they have an aha moment or did they go what what do you say but it doesn't make any or were they just totally put out I don't know but I do know the truth of his word still resonates within us. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Okay, a king has a kingdom. And what that means is that in that space, he has dominion. The king has dominion in his kingdom. Dominion. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God functions not on earth as a natural kingdom, but within you. Does the king have dominion within you? Does the king get the final authority in your life? Now suppose in the natural, I was to go and apply to become a servant and a staff member in the house of King Charles. I have a great imagination because that's like, you know, great idea. But let's just for purpose of this illustration say that I have applied and I get the job. And I wake up my first day as a staff member of King Charles and I go, oh, what am I going to do today? Well, I might take a walk around the palace and I might go and, oh, that amazing grounds out there that garden i'm just going to go and sit and soak in the sunshine in the garden today it's going to be so beautiful and oh maybe i can talk with some of the other staff about what it's like to live here and um how do you think i'll go with my first day on the job i would get fired because <laughs> am i there for for me for my own pleasure no i signed on to serve the king so therefore, when I get out of bed, my first thought should be, what does the king want me to do today? I wonder what assignment I'm going to be on. Where is he going to send me? What task do I need to perform in his name? If I am truly a servant of the king, then what the king has in his mind should be on my mind. We are called to have the kingdom of God within us. So when we wake up in the morning, it shouldn't be, what am I going to do today? It should be, what is on the list for the king today? What is in his heart? What does he want accomplished? What is he thinking about? The kingdom of God is within you. All right. I want us to go to another passage of scripture. Can you turn to 2 Corinthians, please? 
2 Corinthians, and we're going to go to chapter 4. And I'm going to pick up in verse 6. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, I didn't have an earthen vessel, but I do have this one. God commanded light to shine out of the darkness, and he has shone his light into our hearts. And we have now, in a very ordinary-looking vessel, an extraordinary treasure. An extraordinary treasure. So, let me do this. I have some torches in here. Oh, hang on. Okay. So, it looks like an ordinary vessel, right? But it is filled with light. Can you guys see the light? So inside of our ordinary vessels, we have something extraordinary. We have the light of the world. He's in us. He's shone in our hearts. And we carry this wherever we go. Now, what do you do with light generally? You let it shine. And so what if, our mentality began to be that it doesn't matter how dark the darkness is around us. We carry something. We have the light of the world within us and inside of us is the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter that I'm walking in the kingdom of darkness because every step I take, light follows me because I live in the kingdom of God and I am a light bearer. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. How can that be? Because we're indwelt by him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The light has shone in our hearts and now he wants his light to shine out of us. Romans 8. Let's go there. There's some oh, amazing things there. Uh, Acts, Romans. Let me just get there really quick. I'm going to let this sit up here. Okay. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to have a look. I want to go to verse 9 and then we'll backtrack to verse 1. So Romans 8. Let's just have a look at verse 9 together quickly and then we'll back up a bit and get the context. It says, But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And verse 10, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If we have the spirit of God dwelling within us. Now, I have, uh, over the course of my life, been exposed to uh, different situations where I've encountered people who have been demon-possessed and they have been indwelt by an evil spirit. And on occasion, sometimes these evil spirits have, have chosen to speak to me out of the person and it's always in a very deep, evil-sounding voice. I remember once uh, a family member, one of my cousins, we were playing together. We were only kids and we were playing on the swings <coughs> in the backyard. Uh, but one of my cousins picked up this massive log. Now, he was not even strong enough in the natural to carry this thing, but he was possessed with some supernatural strength, not from God. And he picked up this massive log and he looked at my sister and he said, not in his voice, but in a very deep voice, I am going to kill you. Because the darkness was manifesting near the light. And he came towards my sister with this massive log to throw it at her. But my sister, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him and said, put that down in the name of Jesus. And he dropped it, shook his head, and then looked at my sister and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. And we're like, well, we do, and we know how to fix it. So sit down. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We want to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I don't want living inside of me a festering mass of bitterness. I don't want unforgiveness growing fur inside. I say that because I dealt this morning with my chicken scraps that were no longer chicken scraps. They were a beautiful garden of various bacteria and um, it actually didn't feel very beautiful when I was like tipping it outside. But anyway, um, you know, if we don't deal with stuff and I've, I've got to think about this, hang on a minute, I want to, I, I want to be a dwelling place of God. What do I want in my house? Like, do, do I want God to come in and um, just give me two minutes? Oh, look at this junker. Just pile that all in there, stuff that in that cupboard and shut the door and oh, sweep all the under the rug. Right? Huh, yes, yes, come on in to my house. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I've got to change that rug. It's a bit lumpy, but <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, well, hang on a minute. How long, Jesus said, can light and darkness coexist? How can I be full of the light of God but allow darkness in my heart? No, I want to be a vessel full of honour for my king. I don't want anything in me that is not able to stand up to the light of who he is. I pray that that light continues to expose hidden areas of darkness in my heart that I can be free because I want to be full of God and the Spirit of God. 
All right, so I said we'll back up to verse 1, uh, Romans 8. I'm going to speed read. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, what have you set your mind on? I can tell you if you set your mind on the things of this world, you're not going to walk in the kingdom of God. You're going to be distracted by the kingdom on the earth. And in those distractions is all manner of things that are going to rob and steal and destroy from your life. But if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now we go back to verse 9 where we started. But you are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit. Hey, if you are spiritually minded, what does that mean? That means that when I'm walking in the earth, I am not looking at people around me to say, oh, they are so annoying. They pinched my car park right before I went to go in. What if I'm spiritually minded and I go, there's another spot I'm supposed to park. You see, God, he thinks so differently to us. One day, I had asked the Lord for a car park, as I often do, and I'm always in a hurry, and, um, and he's so faithful. Who has found God is faithful to give you a car park? I know it's a little thing, but don't you appreciate it? And, um, and so you know what? I'd asked for a car park, and he didn't give it to me. And I went, well, I thank you when I go around the block and come back. I will have a car park. That's, that's still good. God's still good. I go around the car park, there's still no car park. Lord, <clears throat> I thank you for a car park. I go around the block the third time. Finally, just in front of the store I want to park at, a car is pulling out. Oh, thank you for my car park, Lord. And in my mind, even if it did take you three blocks, but that's okay. Well, I get out of the car, I go into the store. <coughs> And right at that moment, someone about to leave the store, I bump into that I haven't seen in a long time. And they look at me and I look at them. And both of us realized that we were supposed to bump into each other at them. And I realized if God had given me a car park three blocks earlier, I would have missed them. So if we start thinking kingdom-minded and we start thinking 
um, according to the spirit of life that was, that's within us, instead of getting frustrated, why haven't you answered my prayer the way I think you should answer it? And we begin to just say, no, I'm led by the spirit of God. If something's not happening the way I think it should happen, there's a really good reason God is setting up something much better for me. I can be in the spirit of God even though I am in a carnal world. And we can begin to be led by the spirit of God. So in 1 John it says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What if we begin to have that mindset that I am a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? I have the kingdom of God within me. Our mindset's going to change. What's going to happen when you meet somebody who has a terrible illness? If you are of the mindset in this carnal world, you'll be like, wow, this is devastating. But if you are realizing that I have the kingdom of God within me and I meet this situation, what do I do? I'm not in fear. I don't cower before an enemy of sickness. I say, hey, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. When we begin to realize I have the king in me and I am under his authority and because I'm under his authority, I can operate in his authority and if he says pray, I'm going to pray. And if he says go, I'm going to go. And if he says tell that situation to change in my name, then I'm going to walk over to that situation and I'm going to say in the name of Jesus. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. In my temple, he rules. He gets the last word. He gets the final say. No matter what, I am under the king of kings. And I'm going to walk in his authority. We're going to have a look at Acts chapter 5. Let's go there. Acts chapter 5 is an amazing account of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. We're going to kick off the story in verse 12. It says this, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and they laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I want verse 14 like I want my next breath. 
I want to see multitudes of men and women being rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and being brought into his marvelous light. More than anything else in this world, at youth group, we had a guest speaker and he was trying to make a point and he asked some of the youth, what, if you could have anything in this world, what would you want? And one of them wanted a new controller for their gaming thing and someone wanted something else and he looked at me and he goes, what do you want? I said, you probably don't want to know because it's maybe not going to fit what you're saying. But he goes, what do you want? I said, I want Stanthorpe saved. I want this town to encounter Jesus. That's what I want. That's what God wants to do. That's the genius playing with Spotify now. Oh, I see. We have a we have a linked account to the kids also. They're having a, a question mark going, where's our music? Hallelujah, kids. Go for Jesus. So verse 14 said that multitudes of both men and women. We're beginning to believe in Jesus. And then something happened. In verse 15, in this sin-laden world, in this broken world, in this kingdom of darkness, they were bringing into the streets the sick and the tormented because they were hoping that another kingdom that lived inside of Peter might walk past them and the dominion of that king would overshadow them and they would get out of one kingdom and be brought into another. Imagine being so full of God that your shadow healed the sick. Sometimes we go, I want the power like Peter had. I want to be able to walk and people just get healed. But what happened to Peter before the power was that he had to have an absolutely transformed life. Peter had to surrender to Jesus. He began to be filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I say began because it says being filled with the Spirit. Just like we saw that illustration in that uh, other message where he's pouring, I believe the Lord doesn't want to just pour and have a stagnant. He wants us to pour and have it flow. Have you ever smelled stagnant water? It's no longer pleasant, is it? We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be saying, well, 50 years ago, God spoke to me. Wow, that's great. But, whoo, that's smelly now. Hey, living water is living water because it flows. Dead water is dead because it's stagnant. It has nowhere to go. Just like Jesus said, when we believe in him, out of our belly should flow rivers of living water. So if we're, if we're walking in a desert... We're not impacted by that desert. We don't look at that desert and go, what are we going to do? It's cracked and dry. If we have rivers of living water flowing out of us, when we look at a desert, we go, here you go. Live in Jesus' name. 
because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Do you want to be a dwelling place for God? There is no life like being full of the Holy Spirit. You know, the disciples, they were so full of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak and preach in his name and people were getting saved and healed and, and they made the enemy really unhappy. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, give me a healing ministry. Well, Peter and John, they told the man who sat at the gate, beautiful, to rise up and walk, and he did, and everybody glorified God except the religious leaders. Their desire to see this man set free landed them up in jail. Who still wants a healing ministry? cast out an evil spirit from a girl who had a spirit of divination that landed them up with stripes on their back and in jail who wants to cast out demons yes we're not going to necessarily be welcomed everywhere with the kingdom of God but if our heart has the same desire as our king then we will take up our cross and follow him. And we'll say, I want to see people set free, even if that means I'm spending a night in jail. I'm willing to obey God because that person means more to him than my comfortability. The disciples were threatened, do not speak the name of Jesus ever again in our community. They went they gathered together, they prayed. They didn't pray in fear, they prayed for boldness yeah. to keep speaking that name. And what happens? They get out of jail, the next day they go right back to the spot they were and they go, now where were we yesterday? And they continue to preach in the name of Jesus. Because they were not under the authority of that king, they were under the authority of the king of kings because the kingdom of God was within them. And the kingdom of God can be within us. Yeah. I want to finish with this thought. What is the evidence of the indwelling king in you? If someone was to look at your life, what would be evidence that there is the king of kings dwelling in you. Now, that is not a rhetorical question. I actually wouldn't mind some feedback. <laughs> what do you think? What is some evidence that Jesus lives in us? That you have the ability to forgive someone? The willingness to forgive someone. Yeah, that's on my list. That's very good. I, I think there's a lot on here that's not on my list. Absolutely. Because why? That is completely opposite to the kingdom of this world, isn't it? This world says, now, nah, they wronged you. You have every right to hate them. But if the king is dwelling in you, the king of kings, there should be evidence because instead of where there should be hate, there's love. You're weird. That person called you a name I can't repeat in church. And you love them? 
crazy? What about this one? Regardless of what position believers hold in society, they are the greatest servant. That's evidence of the king. Oh, well, I've just been promoted to such and such a role. That's the world, right? And in their new role, they're going to use their new authority. Can you make me a cup of coffee? I don't need to do that anymore. But wow, there's evidence of the king in you. If you get promoted at work and you arrive an extra 10 minutes early and you make all your staff coffees that they like and it's waiting on their desk ready for them and there's a little note on their desk that says, good morning, we're going to have a great day. What? That fella's weird. But man, he makes good coffee. The greatest servants are evidence that there's an indwelling king of kings. They look out for the interest of others before the interest of themselves. Oh, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. Oh, and then you see a family member that needs something. And you have the choice of saying, do it yourself, I'm too tired. Or, come on, let's just push that little bit more. I've got a little bit more in me to give. Hey, let me help you with that. The king and his kingdom is in you. Two last things. How's evidence of the indwelling king is that people who have the kingdom of God within them have peace in the middle of the storms. Why aren't you terrified? There's a storm raging around. Yes, there is. But there's no storm in here. I know the peace speaker. The one who says to the wind and the waves, be still. And lastly, they have joy in the hard times. When you have the King of Kings dwelling in you, it doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life, but it does mean that your joy does not fade, whether it's a good day or a bad day. Yeah. Because the King fills you with joy. What happens when everything around you just seems ridiculous? You go into that secret place with Him and you delight in him and you giggle and you laugh and you're full of joy together and you go, oh, now what was worrying me? Oh, I don't think anything's worrying me. Because <laughs> I mean, after all, I'm under the authority of my king. Would you stand with me today? Now, look, I don't know where everyone's at in this room, so I don't know if there's some of you that have never actually had the light turn on for you. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity today to allow Jesus to light up your life, your heart. There is no feeling on earth like being completely forgiven of all your sins. <laughs> Nothing even comes close to Jesus. I can tell you, for all the people that put rupees at the feet of the idols in India, not one of them drove away with any more peace than they arrived with. Not one of them left with any more joy or hope in their heart. 
But when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, something happens. He says you'll be translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. To receive Jesus, it's as simple as saying, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and I put my trust in Jesus. Oh, and he does the rest. He'll move in. He'll lift up the rug and he'll sweep all the grossness out. He'll take out the trash. He'll, he will give you a clean heart. For those of you in this room that have had something stirred in you today, and I pray that that's all of you, I want to pray with you. I want to pray that we would be much more aware of the kingdom of God within us, that we are a dwelling place of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that we would begin to live under the authority of the King and walk in the authority of the King. So if that resonates with you, well, let me pray with you. Father, just saying those two words means so much to me. The wonder of having a Father who's in heaven, who calls me his child, is phenomenal. Father, I'm here with my brothers and my sisters and we have a passion in our heart. We want to be light bearers for you. Jesus, we want our communities rescued from darkness like you rescued us. Lord, we want to be full of you. We want to think the way you think. We want to talk the way you talk. We want to walk the way you walk. We want to be vessels of honour that you can use for your purpose and to bring you glory. Oh, Father, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would fill us afresh today, that we would have an understanding, our eyes would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of your calling, that we would realise the kingdom of God is within us, that we are dwelling places of God. And Father, I pray that as we leave here today, we would be conscious that everywhere we put our foot, we're bringing light, we're bringing salvation, we're bringing healing, we're bringing deliverance in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, fire us up with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Oh, empower us with the person of the Holy Spirit and transform our lives that we may be a good representation of the King of Kings. Lord, we don't want to leave here the same. We want to have the same tenacious spirit as that woman with the issue of blood that pushed through a crowd of onlookers to touch the hem of your robe because we're desperate to be like you, Jesus. We don't want to be consumed with the things of this world. We want to be consumed with the King of Kings. And I ask these things in the wonderful magnificent, mighty, and amazing 
name of Jesus. Can we give God a hand this morning? I just wonder if uh, if the music can come back out. We're not quite done yet. The song that we sung just before communion about how his name is above every other name. And we're just going to sing that. I want you to begin to sing and let the Holy Spirit begin to release in you a new understanding, a new positioning, that you are not the same. And as we give glory to the King of Kings, let's believe that one day, maybe even today, when you walk by someone, they're going to feel something and they're going to say, can you pray for me? I don't even know if you're you're one of them Bible people, but can you pray for me? To right, we can pray, can't we? Because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. Let's end in worship.